three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And the three motherfuckers are back again. How you doing today, gentlemen? Good. Real good. good. And we have a guest, don't we? Apparently he's pro-prohibition. Bringing well, that back. <laughs> prohibition. All right. So our guest today, we're actually really excited. Um, your name is Jeremy Gilbert. And what was the name of your company? Ready to Drink Beverages. Ready to Drink Beverages. Now, the captain has talked you up quite a bit. He says that you are an alcohol scientist and that you're the guy that the big guys come to when they want to make a lot of alcohol. Why don't you take a few minutes and tell us a little bit about yourself, about your background, about what you do? Sure. I, uh, I started in the beverage industry about 15 years ago and uh, started my own brewery thinking that I could take a uh, beverage from the basement all the way up to production. And it turned out that there was a whole lot more to it than I thought there was. Uh, Ended up uh, selling that company off to uh, my partners. And then I moved to St. Genevieve where I started being the beverage uh, or the uh, brewmaster for Crown Valley. Uh, once I did that, uh, got into that for about 10 years, we did production for all sorts of different companies. And then I decided that I could do this on my own, help other companies grow and create their own beverages and then get them into production. So I started ready to drink beverages, uh, in 2019 and kind of just put it on the back burner until 2021 when it took off and I quit Crown and started my own thing. So I help uh, a lot of small companies that bring things into the marketplace. I also help bigger companies that are trying to get uh, production that really want to make things uh, more efficient, keep it going in uh, uh, larger production runs and make things more readily available to the general public. Well, that is awesome. So you worked for Crown, and that's a pretty big deal, right? So yeah, for the listening audience that don't know, why don't you tell us a little bit about Crown Valley and sure. what they do? Uh, Crown Valley was uh, the one of the only wineries and breweries in St. Genevieve at the time. Uh, there's others now that are uh, Charleville and uh the cave winery actually does a little bit of beer too but they got into production style brewing and then moved on into uh, ready to drink beverages they were doing canned wines they were doing all sorts of different things like that there was four facilities where we had multiple bottling lines multiple canning lines and i was over all of the production side of that well, that's awesome. And they have a fucking tiger sanctuary, don't they? They sure do. Damn right. They <laughs> fucking <laughs> tigers. Yeah, fucking yeah. tigers. I will say, there's nothing more eerie when you're sitting in a deer standing here. It's like, ooh, that's big Dude, <laughs> I went to one in Indiana, and I was like, nobody see When I watched Tiger King and saw how many sanctuaries there were across the continent of the United States, I was like, nobody realizes how terrifying this is. There's more tigers in private collections in, yeah. in Texas than there are in the world in the wild. Well, I went out there. A few, <laughs> I went out there a few years ago. They had a they do a Christmas thing. Yeah, and uh, I took the kids down there. And I the first thing I thought was, "Fuck, this is way better than the zoo, <laughs> right?" Because at the zoo you go and like you're lucky if you see the tiger, mm-hmm. and then it's so hard to get around and look at the exhibit and everything. And when you're there, they're just right there, and they're so fucking big. They're giant, Remember ginormous. They, do you? Uh, actually, it was you and I talking about it on a podcast. Me and the captain. I was talking about the howda. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you you weren't there for that. No, so, I, I missed that. So there's a black powder 
It looks like a short. It looks like a sawed-off shotgun, just a pistol grip sawed-off shotgun. It's called a howdah. The howdah is the name of the basket on the back of an elephant. The reason why the howdah was developed is because in Africa at the time, tigers were jumping out of trees, ripping people off these baskets and running off into the jungle mm-hmm. with them. So they had to come up with a oh fuck, there's a tiger last ditch shotgun just for that. That ain't no shit, man. That, <laughs> fuck that. Well, you know, that's what I. That's one of the arguments I give. Like, uh, I, and I'm not saying that I believe in Bigfoot, and I'm sure somebody in our audience is probably going to fact check me on this. But the, I believe it was the tiger for a really long time. Nobody knew it existed. Like they didn't even know because anybody that went into the jungle didn't come back. So it's like nobody had actually seen a fucking tiger. They, the ones that did got ate by it. People just getting murked. <laughs> <laughs> Might just have a bunch of assholes with tiger sanctuaries a long time ago that let their shit out, and that's the Bigfoot. Man. Wouldn't, that be a, wouldn't that be a fucking thing if you wake up and there's a tiger in the backyard? Your kitty kitty. <laughs> Even uh, at, when I went to the place in Indiana, we paid extra, and I got to go in and actually like hold and pet a baby tiger. It was really cool, but... Even at looking at that little savage thing, it was just like this thing's gonna be six hundred to eight hundred pounds. Oh yeah, soon. It's fucking insane. The, like the I, meat they fed them. We watched them do a feeding, and it was like they literally had to take donations from like five different butchers. It was insane. Like the amount of meat they're having to feed those things to keep them going. It's when, just ridiculous. When we go camping, every now and then we get you know we'll see mountain lions and shit like that, and it's like. That's only a 160-pound cat. You know, they're they're six feet It'll long. Straight fuck you up. And it will straight <laughs> fuck you up. They look only, so... Only. A, a mountain lion in the wild is terrifying. I can't imagine 500 more fucking pounds. Like, fuck this. So when my dad and I were in Oregon, we were bow hunting. And we were uh, going through all these, like, clear-cut... Uh, we lived in the Cascade Mountains in Oregon, so the coastal mountain. Really beautiful area. It's where yeah. my family's homestead was. And uh, there was, like, this real rocky area past this clear cut. And we were following this deer's tracks, and then we saw some mountain lion tracks, and they were kind of congruent, right? And uh, there was this, like, rocky cliff about 20 foot up on kind of my left-hand side. And we're walking, and my dad's sitting there, and all of a sudden a bunch of, like, pebbles kind of fall down at me and dad. And we look up, and this just flash of orange fur turns around. And we, dad started looking and he goes, yeah, I think we're about to get out of here. And he had his 357 on him, but like they hunt you back. Like they don't get it. They're like, oh, okay, this is fun. Let's do this. Yeah, I see all those videos. You ever watch those videos of those hikers that encounter mountain lions? Yeah. We were like, just talking about that. We were that. just talking. They're trying to fucking shoo them off. That's like, why I said, oh, my God. There's no 10 chewing. mil rolling special. Oh, one, all one, day. 1,000%. Yeah. So you, that's a really cool career that you're in. Now, yours, you just mentioned Ready to Drink Beverages with Crown. Your company is called Ready to Drink Beverages. Is that a specialty of yours? It, like, it are is. You, are you specializing in things that are coming ready to drink, not necessarily? Uh, no. So uh, I actually help people get to that point. So where they could actually put something in a can and be ready to roll. So the last one that I helped with, a uh, company out of St. Louis, uh, they co-pack at Charlottesville, where uh, I'm 
doing a uh, consulting down there. And those guys have just got so many things going right for them, uh, whether it be for the, the tasting bar or the, the co-packing facility. But I helped them get a client, and we brought it in. They, they made it behind their bar. So it would be just like you make a, a Moscow mule in your, your kitchen and say you wanted to actually put that in a can and, and get it out. Well, these guys were making something similar to that and wanted me to take it and actually make it into a production drink. And that's the biggest uh, faux pas, I think, that you can see with going from just something in your kitchen to something that's actually production ready is replicating the ingredients and making it exactly the same every single time. Getting it at scale is kind of a- what you're Exactly, yeah, because we're going from, you know, a, a one-gallon batch or a, just a, a small copper mug to something that is 2,000 gallons at a time. All right, so has the captain mentioned to you about our uh, whiskey project? Negative. Negative. Is now a good time? Should we just brain it up? <laughs> so here's the deal. We want to make a stoned apes whiskey. Badly. And we want to use this guy's thing. Yeah. So what do we need to do to get that done? So whiskey's a little different than a ready-to-drink beverage because basically all we have to do is figure out what the juice is that you want to make it out of. And then find somebody that uh, would use their license to do that distilling or purchase and then distill uh, or add to it and then get it into a bottle. It's, it's not as hard as you think it is. Well, we need to make this happen. we gotta hey. fig- we got to figure this one out. We need to game plan this after the podcast. I, I know a guy. Let, let, <laughs> let's... <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this in detail because uh, this is something that I'm pretty. Uh, I met a guy over the weekend. A shout out to Gunforms. Uh, he does custom foam inserts, and uh, he makes custom foam inserting for guns. And then he also works with a couple of bourbon companies, and uh, he works with like a uh, Three Rivers Rivers Whiskey or Three Rangers Whiskey. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, he makes these uh, custom foam inlays and like pelican cases and travel cases and all this stuff and i thought oh we got to do this oh his shit's amazing i found him on instagram i'll probably link up his stuff on instagram so our viewers can take a look at it but yeah i I tell you what i didn't realize how much different like a custom foam cut piece was versus like you know the peel the blocks out but it was nice his stuff's fucking legit so uh people doing things at scale because i know Rev and I had a conversation a couple months ago. We were talking about Angel's Envy because I'm a fan. And he is like, there's, Ditto. He's like, there's no way they're making that volume in that little of a space. Is it sort of like the gun world? Like there's three companies that make most of the receivers for everybody? Or it, it's becoming a little bit less craft and more big guys. Um, one of the largest distillers in the world is MGP. Uh, MGP is called Midwest Grain Products. Midwest Grain Products never really released anything of their own until just a few years ago. Uh, Most everything they were doing, they were selling to uh, smaller distilleries and they were moving around to make sure that everybody had the the juice that they needed in order to, to bottle it. So they had a few custom recipes, but most of it was just stuff that they had off the shelf. So they're having it produced, brought to their facility, and they're just doing the bottle. Exactly. Yeah, and I no, that makes sense. I know it's that way with a lot of things. Like uh, I know somebody who worked for a place that did a lot of not prescription medical stuff, but like think like kid butt paste for kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. And literally, it was almost the same recipe for a lot of stuff. 
and they'd change the label. Like, that's what they did. They'd be yeah. like, hey, we're doing a run of this. Hey, well, we're doing a run of yeah. that. Yeah, I come from the car audio world, and so I spent a, and the captain has a lot of experience in car audio. But it's the same way. Most of your baskets, most of your cast, everything is all made in one facility, and then it's just rebranded. So when yeah. Rockford Fosgate designs a new speaker, they have an engineer that designs a speaker, and then they send that out to a company that does all the production. And then so it's like you got all these top brands out on the market that all have basically the same production line, mm-hmm. and then they're just rebranded out. It's you know like a General Motors product, sure. and it's the same thing. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that it's that way in the liquor world. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of stuff like from the Charlottesville side where we're co-packing for other people. We're seeing a lot of people that are coming in and saying, hey, I, I, I've got a restaurant, and I want a beer. Well, we can take one of the beers that Charleville already produces, and we we call it white labeling too. And so they can design a can, they can design a tap handle, but they can put our beer technically under their name. And the licensing requirements for that are a lot simpler than starting a whole alcohol company. So with mm-hmm. well, and that's the question. That's something we actually discussed a while ago because that was a question I had, kind of a hanging out there, like, what do you need? But for whiskey, especially if you're talking about something that you're aging and stuff like that I'm, I'm guessing it has to be craft well so that's that's where you look at the recipe and determine what kind of base you want and whether or not you're going to blend it or you're going to utilize it just as the juice coming straight out of the barrel um the the mgps of the world there's a couple of them out there but mgp specifically i get a uh, a monthly uh, inventory of what they've got in barrels, how many barrels of it, and then how much per barrel plus what that grain bill is. So let's just say it's a 75% corn, uh, 20% of a, a barley, and 5% rye. Right. So they, they come out with these different uh, grain bills, and then they try to stick to those over time. What I've found is that a lot of the guys that are blending this stuff are bringing those in, and one of them will be high wheat, one of them will be high rye, and then they're blending those together to create something that's theirs, quote unquote, but not necessarily, they didn't necessarily come up with it. So for some of the companies, like Angels Envy does theirs in... The barrels they age them in. Uh, they got port. They've got sherry. They've got several different. Do they uh, send their stuff then? No. Typically, what's going to happen is they're buying that from that 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 mash bill that mix that they want. They're buying it from somebody like MGP. It's coming into their facility, and that's where they're putting it in that sherry barrel just for let's say six weeks, six months. It, it really depends on where that flavor is coming from. I got you. At. It's just going the other way then. Yep. Okay, so here's the question I got. <clears throat> and I can only relate this to the fragrance world. Like, there are only a handful of uh, perfumers in the world. And all of the perfumers in the world are usually hired by companies. They'll, they'll mix the fragrance based on a certain set of ingredients. And then they, uh, they, that recipe is what's what they send out, and then it gets produced. And just, I'm assuming, like alcohol or like a lot of other things, there's only so many places in the world to be able to have it produced. But in the fragrance world, like the difference between a designer fragrance and a niche fragrance would be a designer fragrance may have similar ingredients, but they could be a combination of synthetics. They could be uh, also, you know, hand-picked or hand-selected when you get into the niche, right? So like an oak moss and something like a Creed fragrance would be a much higher quality than what you would find in like a, a designer fragrance like a Gucci or something like that, right? So how do they control the quality of the ingredients when they're doing it on a mass scale like that? 
So the the distillers themselves, just like MGP, they're they're taking that grain bill and producing it over and over and over and over again. So the they are creating that base product. And the, the difficult thing about uh, whiskeys and, and bourbons especially is no matter how it tastes coming out of the still, it's going to have a different flavor once you put it in a barrel for four years. You know, and so that's where the barrels actually come into play yeah. and the blending comes into play. So how much do the ingredients uh, play into the taste? So, for example, like like I was using in the fragrance example, you know, one of the biggest things in the fragrance world, especially when you get into niche fragrances or batches, because every year as the seasons change, availability of product changes or ingredients change, there can be a slight smell difference or a quality difference in the, you know, for example, the oak moss or whatever they're using that year will be a little bit different, especially as you get into the flowers, right? So how do they control it? Does that same thing happen in alcohol? You know, does a you know, hops produced in one year versus seasons versus droughts, things like that. Does that sure. affect the, the flavor? Oh, How do they control that? When we're when we're dealing with beer and the hops and the different grains, absolutely, because that's where your freshness comes in. Your alpha acids change in hops year from year to year just because of whether it's in a drought or whether it's in a, uh, you know, a nice, complete, climate where you would get a lot of rain Um, so those change so what they do is they actually have almost like vintage years on hops Uh, same thing they do with with grapes you know every year is different Um, and in the in the alcohol world one of the things that beer guys talk about um, so obviously I told you I had a brewery Um, I actually got a uh, uh, accreditation in brewing science from the World Brewing Academy in Chicago the Siebel Institute so when I did that I learned a lot about yeast a lot about hops a lot about grains so when you're dealing with wine you are given what you're given and you take a specific variety of yeast, and there, there's hundreds of them, but all you can do is it, put that yeast into that grape juice and create wine out of it. On the beer side, we're taking hundreds of varieties of grain, hundreds of varieties of hops, and hundreds of varieties of yeast, and we're combining those just like a mad scientist in order to get exactly the flavor you want and to be repeatable. So that's where you get these good hop growers that are trying to keep their alpha acids exactly the same, and they're, they're blending some crops together maybe from one field or another field in order to keep those those flavors the same. So that's, that's really where you get into some of that. Have you ever been to Germany? I have not, and I want to. So I lived in Bavaria for three years. Oh, wow. And uh, I talked to a guy who did some beer there because you could get, you know, you go to a bar and it's pretty much, especially if you're American, you're ordering, you know, Hefeweizen or whatever. I like Dunkelweizen. I like dark beer. Um, and there was always a different flavor profile. And this guy who, I guess he did their version of whatever accreditation you have, I guess. It was explained that even every individual village because of natural occurring yeasts regionally or in the area would change it to make it theirs. Just the stuff existing in the air from the local environment. Um, not even anything they were doing specifically. And I was like, no kidding. Like that explains it, but it was, it was pretty cool. Like, wow, just that. And the water is a big thing. So if you look at, uh, the, 
water profiles across the United States in general, but if you look at them across Germany specifically, there's different areas that actually have beers associated with that water type. And that's one thing that we do on the, the beer side, especially is we start with a zero water. So we're trying to use RO water or naturally occurring water, and we test that for the minerals that are in it and everything. And then we're adding more minerals to it in order to create the, the specific water profile that's best for that beer. Okay, so that's so soil content, water, oh, yeah. all of that really. pH, all, all of it. So is that the reason why you can recreate a German beer here? And not get the same flavor. Absolutely. That's 100% right. Wow. And th- some of the things that we look at, even so we get all the way down to the, the bourbon side of things. You know, Kentucky is just famous for their bourbons. Well, the reason is is that the, the water down there has got so much calcium and limestone in it that the pH is completely different. And it reacts. And when you start to put uh, that into your bourbon, the flavor profile changes. And it, it's so neat to, to actually dive all the way down into that and, and taste those differences. So do you have a preference then for specific areas to where you like your beer or your whiskey to come from? The the bourbon side of things, I, I love Kentucky bourbon. I mean, I... Is it bourbon if it doesn't come from Kentucky? It, it sure is. Really? The United States, in, and I'd have to look to verify the exact date, but they changed the law of the TTB to say that it had to be produced in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, it Bourbon it has to be 51% corn uh, minimum, and it has to c- contain barley. Um, but then the other ingredients could be rye, could be wheat, anything oh. other grains associated with that. Hope you're listening, Jeff. And then <laughs> from that... Uh, it has to go into a new American oak charred barrel. So Missouri is one of the prime regions for oak staves. We've got mm-hmm. uh, multiple oak stave uh, facilities, and we've got multiple barrel factories in Missouri just because of that. All right, Captain. Have you tried Danny's is, stuff? Is you, oh, yeah. Is your brew it's great. a bourbon or it's a great. whiskey? It's one of my favorites. By definition, a whiskey. By definition, of whiskey. Bourbon sounds so much cooler. Is it because of your content of rye to corn? Sugar. I put sugar in it. Oh, That kills it. Oh, that explains it. I don't give a shit. (laughs) Neither do I. (laughs) So so here's the question. How do we make a cannabis-infused? So currently, um, Charlottesville, we are actually uh, looking at some potentials of doing cannabis-infused waters, uh, sodas, things like that. The TTB, which is the regulatory body for alcohol beverages, uh, is still federal. And on a federal level, THC in anything is illegal. So obviously when you cross-pollinate and say we're adding THC to an alcohol, there is no legality that we can do that. Have you done it with CBD? The, there's still some gray areas there. I have not, um, huh. but there there are some gray areas there. Technically, CBD is uh, regulated as well as far as the, the total milligrams, but I don't know what that is. I'd have to look yeah. that up. See, I'm applying for the uh, cannabis producer's license that Missouri released today. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get it. It's a lottery kind of thing. I think they only have 250 licenses that they're releasing. Uh, but uh, I'm going to shoot for it, and you know, hopefully the the stone apes will get approved, and then we'll be able to market in that. So that'll be something exciting. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. Well, it's only fitting. 
Yeah, know. absolutely. You can't have cannabis in your name and not have a weed product to sell. Right. So, so you do the science side. I'm curious about the you have the guys for like the official tasters or Q, you know, QAQC. Sure. Um, have you done that? Oh yeah. So well, how do you? What's your checklist for? He notes smokes of, a cigar and he sits in his backyard and goes, <laughs> "What's this taste like to me?" <laughs> I need that job. <laughs> yeah. So, so officially, um, they're one of the largest alcohol companies out there uh, is Diageo. Diageo is uh, they make Smirnoff, they make uh, Crown Royal, they make Bullet Bourbon, and yeah, yeah. so so they've got a tremendous uh, following as far as the the companies that they actually own and produce for. Sure. Um, well, one of the things in order to help them along the way is they set up smaller shops um, that they get stuff produced from. Right. And because of that, I was able to do a, a Diageo sensory training mm-hmm. um, to, to get uh, accredited to, to help with that stuff. Is it kind of like an apprenticeship deal? Uh, it was more like a production facility. And if they're ever going to utilize your facility for anything, you have to have an X number on staff that are certified in tasting you need their a guy. Products. You need a guy for that. You need a guy. Yep. I so, gotcha. Um, so I was lucky enough to actually be able to take that training and uh, pass the sensory uh, portion of that and became accredited to help with the production side of those. Huh. So that's that's how we did it. And so on the alcohol side, they want you to actually reduce the alcohol in anything to a 20% level roughly. So it's not an exact science, but you gain so much more flavor receptors if the alcohol burn doesn't overcome your yeah. your, your palate. Right. Um, so, you know, you're watering it down, and they're using specific waters. Uh, you know, just like we were talking about in Kentucky, the, the guys that have Kentucky bourbon are actually bottling Kentucky water, and they want you to utilize their water in order to, to water things down so you get that full profile and that full flavor of everything. Wow. What what's in their water opposed to like ours? Obviously, we have high calcium content. What's their water like versus the ours? Lime, right? That it's it is the lime. I mean, it's that's still a calcium, um, but they, there's so many uh, trace minerals, and those trace minerals is really what gives it the the boost in flavor compared to the uh, just the, our water out of the tap. <laughs> huh. Fair. Well, that's actually really interesting. I didn't realize that all that science went into this. It is definitely cool. I feel like it's one of those things. Anything when you get into the weeds, your mind is blown. Everything I've ever sat down with somebody who they in-depth, that was their thing. I was like, wow. Like talking to people about watches is like talking to people about cars. Right. You know what I mean? Any, well, anything like Where, were, like, where yeah. were all these career choices when I was in high school? That's all I want to know. Yeah. Where, right? Nobody... where was the whiskey guy on career day? <laughs> <laughs> in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, nobody come in and told us about that. Yeah. No, and so, you know, I got into homebrewing when I was in college. Um, I went to school at Mizzou, uh, got an undergrad in uh, agriculture, and got into homebrewing there. There was a couple of guys in my fraternity house that they had a, a house that was just off campus, and, and I went out and helped them brew. And it was one of the neatest things to, to get into, and then I kind of let it go for a while. And then when I moved back north uh, to home where my parents were, 
uh, that's when I got back into home brewing and started the brewery. Hmm. Have you ever been involved in making uh, a mead? I know you said wine. Yes. Yep. Um, I've made some before, and and uh, we've talked about uh, the potential of you know going past the mead and and sure. doing some different things with it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's really neat. That's awesome. So, how often do you? I mean, I know through our conversations, how often does somebody say, "Hey, I have this product. Here's my juice." turn us into alcohol and blossom from there like what's that whole process like so uh just like with the one that came to me that had the uh kitchen recipe so it took us almost four months to to really nail down the recipe itself before we were ever able to even get it to the point of of getting those ingredients licensed getting the understanding from the co-packer of what was going to be next uh so it can be a lengthy process there's there's a lot of them that take six months plus just to get going we were talking to that internationally when you're sending juice over to have them retaste you gotta worry about that thing spoiling on the way there because that yep. rye can really affect your, your product at the end of the time really yeah, yeah i've got a client that's in uh, kingston jamaica and so i i made some uh blends for them and then would send it over uh i had to pack it in ice packets and and everything else because i was utilizing a juice that they have available locally i was able to source here in the united states and then i tried to replicate the drink that they were looking for so i was shipping them and i was i was putting them in uh seal packets and uh with wrapping around it just in case something did bust it would actually absorb it and they wouldn't throw the whole package out you know if i just lost one bottle or or one package so yeah there's there's a lot to that man huh interesting so no this is a loaded question but uh since you obviously have so much knowledge, what are some of your favorite brands or what are your, some of your favorite liquors that you enjoy? Oh, I, uh, I, I've gotten off of beer. As bad as that sounds, I'm a brewmaster uh, by training and I've kind of gotten off beer. Uh, but the, the Charleville beers that we have been brewing, I get to taste them constantly whenever we've got a new batch coming out. And the, uh, we've got one coming out here, I think it's going to be in September, uh, but it's coffee-infused uh, stout called Late Night Karate Kicks. That's one of my favorite beers. Just has a, a great flavor. I'm a uh, stout guy. Oh, my gosh. It, you'll love this one. Um, but as far as bourbons go, uh, you know, I can't get all of them. And that's the, the bad part. But Weller 12 is just my go-to, one of my favorite bourbons. Um, I've got uh, the, the Van Winkle 12-year uh, Lot B. I've got the Van Winkle 10-year. And side-by-side -side tasting, um, the 10-year kind of blows the 12-year out of the water, in my opinion. Um, but there's, you know, there's nuances to everybody's taste buds. So I know where we're going for tasting. <laughs> Check. <laughs> so wintertime, this guy, he makes maple syrup. And there's a thing called a sugar shack is where we cook or he cooks everything down. And there's a lot of late-night conversations and bourbon testing that uh, – if there's a foot of snow on the ground, you're going to see tracks from my house to his house, and they don't come back until about 3 o'clock in the morning. We go, oh, shit. I wish I had maple trees. I wanted to do that so bad. It's, it's fascinating, here. man. When it, I moved here, I wanted to do that so it, bad. It really is. And so the side note on that, my, my son was four years old at the time, and he came to me, and he said, Dad, I want to make maple syrup. And I'm like, where in the world did you learn how to make maple syrup? And he's like, well, my stupid videos. And that's what he called his iPad because we always called it stupid videos. And so he showed it to me, and I talked to my neighbor who's got – 340 acres behind me and he's like oh we've got maple trees all up and down the holler here so 
sure enough, we tapped him, and, and now he uh, has his own little college fund. So the, the township that we live in is called Kaufman, and everyone knows when the Sugar Shack's sugar and, and a shacking because it's like a party nonstop, and it's just a rotation. I've got to get down there. Dude, so, that's so, so cool. It's the best freaking yeah, time. So you so package cool. and bottle the maple syrup? Yep. Oh, yep. and you sell it, I'm assuming. Yep. What's Absolutely. the name of that company? Yeah. Mill, Mill Creek Maple Syrup. Where's that for sale at? Well, right now, <laughs> um, we, it, it's uh, seasonal, obviously, but uh, the the uh, Dew Drop Inn and the Cozy Kitchen there in Bloomsdale, uh, they still have probably eight or nine bottles left. Uh, so every time we go in there for breakfast, my son has to check on his stock. Okay, and yeah, I've <laughs> only been there once, so I, I don't know too much about that. I've been down there. I'm going to go check that out. Yeah. Yeah, so we had some friends in from uh, Arkansas recently, and they got in late on the, the ordering process and weren't able to get a bottle. So we actually took them to Cozy and uh, had breakfast, and then they were able to, to buy a bottle and take back home. I got two extra bottles still. So are there any buy. local – and you don't got to name them. It's just kind of a yes or no because I don't want to put you in a weird spot. But any local craft brewers who are, you're just like, yeah, they got it going on. That's that's not bad. There's there's actually several. Um, the St. Louis beer scene has kind of changed over the years. You know, I got it in, in uh, late 2007, early 2008, and the the dynamic changed considerably over over that time from now or from then until now. And if you look at that, the the guys that were making good beer uh, are still in business. Mm-hmm. And you know, the ones that were were marginal at best, you know, have kind of gotten out of it. Um, and I, I see that that switching, and, and you can get some fantastic beers. So what's your impression of O'Fallon's? Because that's my personal favorite beer brand. Well, I've known those guys for forever. Um, and unfortunately, you know, they just filed uh, bankruptcy. Oh, no. Um, so just hmm. pissing his Cheerios. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I've ever had a beer from them that I thought was bad. Yeah. So uh, the brewer that was there for years and years and years brian owens a good friend of mine uh he's he's got a lot of different things going on and he's since moved on and uh started his own business but uh he he was one of them that helped come up with a lot of those recipes and i know there were others associated with it they make a uh pumpkin spice beer that i absolutely love Yeah, you brought to the house yeah i used to go all the way to tennessee there's a uh, brewing company in tennessee called blackstone brewery Mm -hmm. and they made a pumpkin spice uh out of a um out of a brown ale, English brown ale, oh, wow. uh, nut brown ale. And uh, the first time I had it, it was amazing. It was like, it was this great, almost, it was like a, a good Newcastle, mm-hmm. but a really good English nut brown ale in the front. And then it had no aftertaste. The aftertaste was almost like a Starbucks quality pumpkin spice latte. It oh, was wow. amazing. And so, you know, I used to go down there every year during the season and I would buy a few cases and I would come back. Well, then I discovered O'Fallon's mm-hmm. and their pumpkin spice beers are fantastic, especially like the vanillas and all the other stuff that they do with it. And uh, and I'm a complete pumpkin whore and I don't care who's out there listening. It's kind of a basic bitch. Really. Say whatever you want. <laughs> I am the pumpkin spice everything. That's like funny. when it's pumpkin season, it's yeah. fucking on. That's exactly but, correct. And I don't, <laughs> I don't hide that shit at all. So I'm, I'm going to have to try to replicate the beer that I did at Crown Valley. Um, because in, I think it was 2015 or 16, I actually won the bronze medal at the World Beer Cup for my pumpkin stout. 
No shit. It's called yep, Imperial Pumpkin. Yeah, I got so I gotta get right a bottle now. of that when yeah. you do that. That's cool. It, it was yeah, it was it was fantastic. And you know, we we put it into the contest not really having a high hopes for it, um, and ended up with the bronze. So, so invite me down so, yeah. and let me know. So locally I like it, but uh shout out to Main and Mill. Their Jephoria yeah. I like a lot and they actually make a it's literally like mint chocolate chip ice cream. You can r- very rarely get it. Tom and I actually went there for mm-hmm. lunch one day. and Yeah, it's excellent. I'm like, dude, try this. And he was like, oh, my God. And yeah. I was like, I know. And I wanted a four-pack, and they were sold out. Yeah, like yeah Maine and Mill's got ones. a couple of good brews that they do. Really good ones. Yeah. You know, another one I like, too, and I'm not sure if they're a local company, because the first time I had them was in Maryland, was uh, Granite City Brewing. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, they make a couple of beers. In fact, I got one of their... Um, Oh, what do you call that thing? Um, a growler. 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 Yeah, yeah, I got one of their growlers over there. Uh, they make a, a German Bavarian beer that I like a lot called the Berserker. Oh, and wow. then, uh, yeah, and so I used to go up there and fill that growler up and do that. But yeah, the first time I discovered them, I was in um, just outside of Washington, D.C. I was up there with Walden University. They were having this. Um, the symposium that I went to, and uh, I, I go down on this uh, this strip outside of the hotel, and and I end up eating there, and I fell in love with it and loved the beer, and then I uh, I forgot the name, and so I couldn't remember the name of the place, and then finally I get back home and I look it up, and I was like Granite City, and I was like wait a shit, they're right next door, how the <laughs> fuck did I never hear this? So I went all the way to Maryland to discover something that's like forty five right. minutes away. Well, irony <laughs> irony right hey at least it was where i could fucking get it you right. know well one of the fun parts about the the beer industry in general is the the beer festivals and uh you know there's there's one in uh, uh augusta missouri that is just phenomenal hmm. it's it's every fall but you get into some beers that that guys are just producing a small batch of or doing something uh friendship brewing up in uh wentzville and flint hill they've got a couple locations now but they've got some great brewers up there um and those guys have been around forever and they're they they actually i I got introduced to them back when uh, i had back creek brewery up in bowling green and so they they've just got some really neat stuff they've got a a girl scout cookie beer and iced oatmeal like they they come up with some of these flavors that are really neat i'm hungry or thirsty yeah yeah well that's that's one of the beers that o'fallon makes is they they make the girl scout cookies yeah, yep. they make a sum of that. Oh my god, yeah. that thing's amazing. Now, is is Founders local? Does anybody know? They're not. They're not. Nope. Okay. They're they're now, in they the Midwest. Make a, they make a really oh, good coffee stout, don't yeah. they? What do you think of their coffee stout? Oh, I love it. The, yeah, the that's one of my favorites. The, the breakfast that breakfast stout. stout? Yep. Most yeah. places care. The night I thought that's why I thought they were local because if I go most places, yeah, and I'm looking for hey, what do you have? It's kind of a go to if that's all there is. If I'm grabbing lunch with my folks or whatever, oh, yeah. you know. Um, but typically I like to find what's the darkest thing you got from a local microbrew. Sure. You know, well, Denny, uh, at Main and Mill, uh, we were at such of a beer festival and he had actually done a beer that he made out of, uh, the tree sap from a maple tree. So he used that tree sap as the base water. And obviously that's not uh, easily, easily, uh, replicated from, a. uh, large production side i think i might have tried that that i don't doubt it. it it was one of those things and i don't know if he's he's had it in his uh, uh tasting room since or you know kind of done some small batches of it when it's available yeah. you know in that february march area but uh but i had tried that whenever he had done it and he did a really good job See, with for that. me that's why i get stoked for the fall and winter 
because I like the darker stuff. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I go in. It's like I'm not really into IPAs. It's just not my thing. Sam likes his beer like he likes his men. Dark, <laughs> strong, and dark. Danny, strong and dark. <laughs> I can confirm this. Yeah. <clears throat> so. You've won several awards, you've mentioned. What is your personal favorite drink that you've made? Uh, that Imperial Pumpkin Smash was the best one that I've ever done. Man after my own heart. <laughs> right there. Love it. Yeah. All right. So, right. You're, so you're going to try you're going to try your hand over at, here smashing pumpkins. Yeah. You have no idea. So you're going to try your hand at that this year? Yeah, so right. the the kind of the nuance to that was I had a pizza oven in my office at Crown and we literally ran the pumpkin through the pizza oven like six different times with the spices and my office smelled amazing and then i'd take it out and put it in the brew so yeah it, it's going to be so, a, uh, a let, difficult one to let replicate. me know when you do this because i want to come down we can like film it and make like a whole thing right, of there it. you go yeah that'd be awesome yeah we might we might have to set up the brick oven pizza in the back and start to roast the pumpkins <laughs> you had me i'm already in i'm so excited uh, bring and my on, flannel. There It'll be go. awesome. Absolutely. And on <laughs> top of that, Christ. it was <laughs> one, one one flannel, yeah. <laughs> one flannel, and like a like a blanket or something. It'll go. Yeah, it was like it was a I ten and a half. Percent what are those? What are those fuzzy too? boots that those girls wear? Oh, oh, what are they? Bear paws? Something like that. Yeah, I'll bring some of them too. Oh, don't yeah. you worry. There you I'll go. have the whole. <laughs> I'll have the whole ensemble going. You know, on. our neighbors go, "Who the fuck is this dude? Who is this jumpy snow bunny looking mother?" That's exactly what they're gonna say. I'll show up in a Prius. <laughs> and to his face. <laughs> oh, Lord. I have no shame. Yeah, no. I get it. <laughs> yeah, when we built our house, we've somehow hit the neighbor lottery every time. And the first time I met Jeremy, we were talking and we we're bullshitting. And, of course, we talked about business. And I'm like, what's the fucking odds of me making my own shit? And my neighbor does that shit for a living. Like, <laughs> And there's some of our other neighbors, Cox. And he's like, what's the fucking odds? What's the fucking odds of this happening? He's like, it's crazy. And it's just... It's just Hit, hit a lottery with the neighbors. Yep. I'm blown away that you haven't already opera- operationalized the shit you're making. Because that is... It's expensive. It is expensive. <sighs> Seven-figure yes. investment if you want to do it. And you need to have that on the side as fuck you money and not even worry about it. And it's a long process. You don't have it's that? Not an overnight. I thought you were rich. <laughs> You've known me for a long time, Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> you were rich. <laughs> I was. I was well off at one point in time, yeah. That's right. You're well on your way back. Well on your way back. Okay, cool. We'll make our own shit because I'm just a retired army guy. There you oh. go. <laughs> <laughs> I Re- think that's how three rangers, three rangers started. Yeah. I, I, mean, I don't know much about them yet. I just, like I is. said, that uh, the owner of Gunforms just kind of told me about them, and so gotcha. I started doing some preliminary research and kind of checking their product out. But they apparently come to St. Louis for a lot of events. They, and, they and, do. And they do a lot of stuff. Now, aren't they ba- where are they based out of? Uh, I think I they're... I thought it was like Washington or Yeah, or they're, they're on the or? east, or, uh, the west coast, I'm sorry, well, I yeah, believe. That's Black, my... uh, not Black Rifle. Well, it was all the same owners. They had their own thing for a while, Matt Best and Evan Hafner, when he owned Article 15, and then um, Black Rifle, they had... Uh, they had a whiskey. They had a rum. Um, they did the same thing for a while. I remember because it was in the class sixes. Yeah, and and I and I bought it a few times. It wasn't bad. Yeah, wasn't near as good. As See, I haven't shit. been to the Northwest yet. That's my trip that I'm planning next summer. And all the trips that we've taken so far has been either straight west, like Central West, or we went. Uh, You're probably going to want to move. 
Southwest. Oh, I, I'm I already want to move. The like, the old growth the old growth forests of the Pacific Northwest. If you drive the 101 in Northern California, in Oregon, and even in Washington, uh, if my grandfather wouldn't have got rid of the family homestead um, right before I retired, I wouldn't be here. I'd yeah. probably be caretaking it for the family. See, I'm getting excited this year because uh, for Christmas, we're, we decided, you know, I watched a stupid Hallmark movie a long time ago. And in this Hallmark movie, they had rented a cabin in the woods and, you know, they got snowed in and it was like a whole thing. And every time you watch these movies, I always wonder, like, where the fuck do people find this shit, right? Because I have tried to find like an isolated cabin where you can't see the neighbors for forever. Well, I finally found one. <laughs> So I made the decision that uh, this year we're spending Christmas in the mountains. Oh, my. And we're going to go all fucking Hallmark movie on it. I just got a mental image of the Rev sitting there with fuzzy boots on. Watching a Hallmark movie? Sitting in a fucking pumpkin spice latte. Snuggy with fuzzy boots watching a Hallmark movie. Latte in one hand, oh okay. latte in one hand, joint in the other. It's fucking on, dude. Don't you imagine sitting there Michelle with, walking in like sitting there, with, sitting there walking with a in snuggie. Hell, she'd be sitting next to me, man. Fuck that. I can't unsee that mental image. I think oh, I'm gonna cry funny. right. Post now. post that picture on Instagram. Oh my god. You do the same thing, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Come on, don't lie. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred yeah, percent. I, I go out the the back comb your door, beard though, while you're right? doing it. Oh yeah, yeah. My, you my ever son's wa- constantly asking me. You ever me watch why I keep uh, doing that. on Netflix that show, The Ranch? Oh yeah. Uh, who is it? Uh, God damn it! My my mind's not working right now. Old guy, cowboy. Damn it! Oh, John Sam Lee. Elliott. Sam Elliott's character. He's sitting there in his. Uh, uh, Ashton Kutcher's his son. He comes back from California. He's got UGG boots, and he's sitting there talking all this shit to his son. Next thing you know, his dad's out there with UGG boots on, and he's sitting hey, there. Dude. and He's like, "Fuck you, they're comfortable." <laughs> Goddamn right, I own a pair. I know you do. Fuck yeah, I do. Those are my camping fucking gear, man. Oh, when you get in the mountains, that shit gets cold. I ain't even playing around. Fuck them. Yeah, shout out to UGG. <laughs> Outdoor outdoor so research. Vibram Souls, the whole nine yards. <laughs> outdoor researches slip on camp boots or where it's at. They're actually issued to the oh. Marines. They're issued to the Marines. That Dude. whole puffy suit they make, it's like the, the armies, but they actually made a set of boots for them. They pack down to nothing. Literally, they're they're soft, but the sole on them's good enough. You won't tear Dude, it. They're the, awesome. The first time I went camping in the mountains, I learned some really hard lessons, and it's fucking cold. Mm. You know, you're out there during the day, and it's 85, and it's nice, and at night, you know, it could be 40 and fucking wind blowing, you know, and you're trying to, like, enjoy a campfire. And so now, like, my camping gear is Sherpa fucking everything. And I am nice and cozy with my little blankie sitting at the fire. Like, I don't fuck around, man. You need to look up uh, Kifaru and Hill People gear. Yeah? Yeah. I I don't know if I have any of that. For you don't, you'd know if you did. Fair enough. That's what the dudes who are hunting for real... Like Kifaru was making. Oh, I don't wear this shit hunting. I wear this shit for like campfire well, mount, man. No, no, but it's <laughs> even their even their comfort stuff. Uh, I had them custom make me two rucks because they were making them for cool guys mm-hmm. who don't exist. And uh, it's like civilian grade backpacking, but they build the pack to your specs. And they have the same thing with some of their like wraps, like a poncho liner on steroids with thirty percent more 
fluff, but oh, where nice. it can wrap around and clip in like a full anorak instead of just a poncho liner. Well, that's what I switched up this year with hunting is I just, uh, I ended up getting those 3D bug suits mm-hmm. and underneath that is layers of Sherpa brother. Like <laughs> I was warm as fuck. <laughs> They ain't no cold for me. I'm naturally insulated, so I'm gonna work with that shit at all. Oh, dude! I'll tell you what. That Danny's they, just out there eating shrooms, <laughs> hey, seeing sounds. <laughs> that's a that's a real thing, man. I, when uh, you know, about 50 pounds ago, like cold did not bother mm-hmm. me. Now I get cold really easy. That is a that's an actual thing. Like, I like to cuddle. I, I need you to. <laughs> we need to go hunting together so we can cuddle. Because, dude, I freeze to death, man. I, I, I tell. I tell people this story. When I was at Fort Drum, New York, my first assignment, coldest I ever was in, it hit negative 60. And they they made us come in when it hit negative 40. And we had these things. We were doing cold weather training. So you're dragging something called an Accio, which is basically a canoe with tie downs onto it. And you're snowshoeing out. We're snowshoeing back. We're all cold, cold weather injuries. I've had frostbite on every limb multiple times not officially because even they, your penis they won't do that there we're not going to talk about that um, that's always warm it's tucked that, in that's somewhere why, that's why it's <laughs> shorter now no <laughs> we we look at that now. explains so much <laughs> six inches what no anyway i mean uh, it used to be it's fine we had a dude who uh he was getting hypothermic one time and the policy was the military sleep system which if you're looking it's a little bit bigger than some civilian stuff but layer wise what you get survival wise anybody who doesn't buy one who's serious about having gear they can go out in is a fool because you will not find better civilian equipment that will take you down to negative temperatures where you can live well, even the old green ones those little big fluffy green shirts are aren't bad those are good but they're because they're down they get wet you're talking get, about the new gore-tex that multi-layered system or you got a yes, different one you're talking I've had, about i've had both the multi-layer system with gore-tex is where it's at but mm-hmm. the procedure was because your body heat radiates if you're naked better mm. i have had to rotate into a bag naked with other guys to keep a guy alive so tell that story how do you slowly. hide your awkward boner Asking for a friend. You don't. You make a lot of jokes about which spoon you are, and it's like, because this dude stopped shivering. You like, were always front, weren't you? It's cool. Little spoon. Yeah, so you're like, you were, you were like, I'll spoon. volunteer. I'll volunteer. Well, I, I do jujitsu. There's, there's a lot of judgment here. It's only gay, it's only gay if you make eye contact. Yeah, fair. Right? But you, you took your socks off because you said you got naked, so that makes it weird. Yeah. <laughs> it only made it weird because there were no socks and eye contact. But uh, no, like, legit... Into a bag. He's like, I had no idea I was signing up for this. No idea. I was just doing alcohol. That's yeah. fine. No, you got to make a lot of jokes. Now you're here. Mm-hmm. But luck. for mm-hmm. real, like you tell people, if you're ever out and you want to, you're trying to survive, people think like, oh, layers and all this other stuff. Human body heat radiating, it has a compounding effect. And into the bag, okay, you're in there for that long. Okay, get out. You put your shit back on. Like, next guy, get in there. Mm-hmm. I got a couple of the old green sleeping bags, and when I do ground hunting, that's what I take with me, and I'll just throw the sleeping bag on the ground and sit inside of it, and golden, mm-hmm. with my Sherpa. Yeah. You know. Funniest thing is, we were, uh, the Canadians came down to do some training with us, and uh, their Canadians sl- don't count. Well, their sleeping bag, their sleeping bags, we, as Op Kind of married to one. At Op, <clears throat> at op 4, we went, we went to attack them one night, right? Because we'd usually, like, you'd do some probing attacks just to keep guys awake and fuck with them all night. And it was probably, like, 
it was before BMNT, which is when the sun first starts to come up or whatever. And uh, we're out there, we're probing, and we decide to hit them hard on one side of their perimeter. And next thing we know, we just see these giant green pickles assaulting us back because they had holes in their sleeping bags for their arms and legs. So, like, they're sitting there, and all of a sudden they're, you know, go-go gadget fucking sleeping bag. And these dudes are like, these giant pickles are running at us, shooting their guns. And I'm laughing hysterically, breaking <laughs> contacts. It's the most ridiculous shit you'd ever hey, seen. I call that smart. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. It was, it was smart, but, like, all of a sudden it was like, what the fuck am I looking at, man? It was wild. Yeah, that's craziness. So, what do you got, Captain? I was going to say, what are you coming back tell with? them the pig story. The pig your, your pig hunt at, at nighttime using thermals and oh my gosh, we we went to a, uh, a ranch down in Oklahoma and at night with a thermal and driving not me but the guy driving the side by side throwing the lights off and all he's got is a monocular up there and running through the woods knowing where he's going and we can see the pigs out in front of us get stopped. And the craziest part about it is, and if you've ever shot a, a thermal at night, when the blood spattered, it you could see it look like fireworks. It I was have. just gorgeous. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was amazing. I haven't hunted with the thermal oh before. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. A good thermal scope will put you back. Oh. Yeah. About yeah. 4,000. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, getting that one past the uh, spouse mm-hmm. is a I troubling event. I have. I got one that I can dual bridge with my night vision or that I can clip on the front of an optic. So my low power variable optic 1x6, I can clip it on the front and I can turn my daytime 1x6 LPVO into a 1x6 LPVO thermal. I'll give you 20 bucks a used condom and a Kit Kat bar. Don't don't bullshit me. I know what I got. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have that much value, sweetheart. I, I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> anyway, so. Oh, my Lord. We so got we, lost in the weeds, didn't we? Yep. We went, like, down the rabbit hole and just kept going, and then here Welcome we are. to the Stone Apes podcast. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a big shit. suppressor guy, too, so it's always yeah. fun. You can hear. It's always fun. I can hear the metal. Ka-tink, ka-tink. Has he shot your new can, that one you got from Six? Do you have a, a Sandman? I do. Yeah, he's got one. Yeah, I've got a Sandman L. Um I don't remember what year S. it is. S, yeah. The so it'll go up to point the point four six, I think. The, the L. No, mine'll mine'll only do uh, seven six two. Okay, I'm I'm thinking of, I'm thinking they're bigger one than I used to own or be a co-owner of six stack one. He day. he went on vacation and had his twenty two with him. That was obviously suppressed. And he was like, yeah, I'm shooting ground rodents. And his wife's like, no, you weren't. He's like, yeah. Well, it's like, I didn't yeah. hear you. I'm like, that's the whole point. That's the point of it. It's a suppressed 22. <laughs> right. Subsonic ammo, deadly accuracy, and all you're doing is going plink, plink, So plink. Mo- most 40 grain or below in a barrel shorter than, I believe, 16 inches out of 22 is naturally mm-hmm. subsonic. You don't even have to do it with the ammo. You can actually achieve almost the same thing if you use, like, the Calibri rounds. They basically just put the primer comp. There's no powder in the shell. Right. The primer compound drives the bullets, and it's basically the same thing as having a I, can. I really love how almost every podcast involves firearms and alcohol. Like, the ATF must really fucking love us. I'm smoking a cigar. <laughs> yeah, 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 you know, it is what it is. All the good um, stuff. So here's a question I have for you, completely unrelated to everything that we've talked about. So, I've noticed 
you have a pretty nice beard. Yeah. It's very well manicured and Thank it's you. tamed. Now, as Stop a bearded... flirting. Look, no. <laughs> He's really getting that pumpkin beer. I know. Hey, look. That's so bad. He's getting a pumpkin boner. Hey, I just shared a thing on Facebook today that just basically said that, you know, I won't do much for a Klondike bar, but I'll do some sketchy shit for some pumpkin spice. <laughs> so, <clears throat> true. Yeah, I get it. All right. So, <laughs> as, as a bearded man myself and somebody who tries to take good care of my beard, I've noticed that as my gray hair is coming in, the gray hair and the beard is much more difficult to maintain. It, it uh, is. What have you found to be the secret here? Because yours is like under control and shit. And I, uh, I got a conditioner that I use every morning when I take a shower just to condition the beard. And then I oil the crap out of it. Mm. I, uh, I got some, uh, I'll have to look up the name of it, but oh my gosh. It not only smells good, but it uh, just conditions the heck out of it and obviously my beard is quite gray so i have to uh to do a little bit more maintenance than most yeah most of the guys that i meet are like my beard used to look like yours and then when it goes gray it went crazy because mm -hmm. i used beard butters and different yeah. stuff so i was just kind of curious to like you know what what kept yours tame and under control that that's the big thing and i, I brush it constantly you'll have to send me that yeah. uh conditioner you're using i'm curious to see that it's, i can't yeah. do it it's good i trim mine once a week yeah i saw i saw yours and I, I was like, I can handle that, and I. Well, I nope, didn't. It. I, I didn't mind. I didn't mind it when it was longer. The only thing that I don't like when it's longer, is if I'm not wearing a shirt and it touches my chest. That's a really annoying thing because well, you constantly feel it every time you turn. And then when I went to jujitsu, um, there was a girl training there, and uh, we were doing uh, back mount. And then she found like, oh, hey, by the way, I could just grab your beard and your chin goes up real easy. I was, And I got choked the shit out of me mm -hmm. that night. And then it was like after that, I thought, you know, if it makes me that vulnerable in a fight, I really don't know if I want to keep something like this on my face. And mm -hmm. so I trimmed it up considerably so that it wasn't such a weapon. That's yeah. kind of that's kind of where I'm at. That's actually why if you look at the Romans, why they kept their hair cut short, the legion. Mm -hmm. It was intentional because your hair your hair could be used as a handle to yank your head back to slit your throat. Yeah. Well, well the beard was, was definitely a deterrent. It was practical. They but I feel like everything. in Muay Thai it helps because it adds a little bit of padding. Like mm -hmm. when you get hit, they've it done doesn't, studies. doesn't they've done, impact you as bad. No, they've done studies on it on uh, beard length versus impact mm -hmm. as far as damage. I've definitely noticed a difference, you know, and I stay bearded just because I like to be bearded. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, there is a length limit to it. And, you know, and, and then... You know, I do all this training and everything, and, and, and I think a, a friend of mine had said it best, you know, one of the reasons why he doesn't train to get injured is because he's like, I do all this training to defend myself. Like, if I go out there and I fuck around and I get hurt and I break a leg or something like that, like, there goes my ability to defend myself, right? And so I kind of applied that philosophy to the whole beard thing, mm -hmm. and it was like, you know, if I'm walking around with a handle on my face that makes me vulnerable then that's going to be a real issue. Oh, yeah. And so I decided to get rid of it. Uh, the In the beverage industry, I feel like the beard adds a little credibility um, well, because most of the, uh, uh, you know, your bearded wine wizards, your bearded uh, uh, bourbon connoisseurs, you know, you, you see them and you're like, oh, I, I think this is pretty cool. I had a, uh, a client down in Florida that wanted me to come down and, and do some production consulting with them and, and help them get a beverage off the ground and do some things. And been talking to them for two, two and a half months, roughly. And finally, we did a, uh, a Zoom call. We did the Zoom call and the guy's just like, all right, 
I just just have to tell you that I now am 100% on board with whatever you want to do. I see that beard, and I understand. <laughs> well, it makes you look like a professor or You're a distin- scientist, You're right? Exactly. Did, he, yeah. did he know you made pumpkin spice beer, too? I don't think so. <laughs> hey, you know, that, it works it for the professor. the territory. I teach at the college, so it works for yeah. the professor look. You know, I exactly. stay bearded, and, you know. You bet. It gives you that distinguished look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I look did. wiser if you have a beard. I, I just do it because the army made me shave for twenty-one years. Yeah, well, that's mm-hmm. part of it too. That and I'm lazy. I don't like to shave. No, and, I don't. And I, and I look ridiculous without a beard. So you know, there's that. I, I was in the same boat. In fact, uh, you know, I've been married to my current wife for eight years now, seven years, and uh, she's never seen me without a beard. So. It's she, it's man makeup, isn't it? You should yeah. totally just shave one day. Oh no, yeah, I don't think I can. That's what I like to call it. Don't call do it, it bro. <laughs> you know, all these women out there, they put makeup on every day. Yeah, and a beard is nothing more than man makeup. Right. Hey. Like that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, this is my makeup, and this is what keeps things together. And like you know, that's where it's at. And I don't like my chin. Yeah, so no, I yeah. got a shit chin. I, yeah, I haven't seen it forever, so yeah. It if works I had perfectly, if I had one of those uh, like Chris Hensworth chins, right? You know, yeah, chisel. Yeah, fuck, right. I'd be it's, in. But it's no. a survival mechanism to protect your neck. Mm-hmm. I've got that going. I get it. Let's go with that. It sounds more manly. <laughs> you don't. You like that more than man makeup. I like it better no, than I don't give a spice. fuck. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. He brought that pumpkin spice beer. I was like, dude, that's really hey, good. I, uh, it's really good. I came to terms with my masculinity a long time ago. <laughs> you know, I don't give a shit. I will. Pina colada flavored Annalise. Yeah. It's been a long time since I heard that. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, we had a whole podcast Memories. on this. We had a whole podcast on <laughs> Flavored Annalise. Yeah, we ought to name a show that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we can make a we can make a liquor. What is ready to drink? Think of that. We're gonna make an anal-ease flavored oh boy. drink. Like yeah. let's do this. Oh man. Yeah. What what was the? Uh, There's a market. The There's a market joke. for this. Fuck. With the uh, the guy that said, "Hey, I you know I bought some flavored condoms. You know, let's see if you'll go down and and take care of me." And the lady's like, "Well, I mean, all I taste is is bourbon and bacon." And he's like, "I haven't put one on yet." <laughs> It's when you look him in the eye and say, America. (laughs) You're welcome. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, and where do we go from there? That's just the the appetizer. (laughs) See, next week's episode is supposed to be our comedy episode, but damn. (laughs) Oh, man. We got the the guys from... um, Oh, yeah, you're showing me that. That's cool. Yeah, um... Oh man, my brain just drew a blank. Comedy, comedy, Guys. yeah, ha ha. Yeah, I know that. Right, I'm back. <laughs> Next show. Back. Yeah, so we got the guys coming on, and uh, their uh, their podcast is mostly comedy. So it's going to be really interesting to see where that one goes. So somebody a lot more funny than me. Yeah, me too. Put that to oh, the test. Man. Do they make pumpkin spice? I don't know. They can. We're going to find out today. We're going to learn today. Maybe they'll start when they hear this. Yeah, well, when, right? we get something, right? when we get something rolling, well, like I said, we'll have to talk about this because uh, making a Stone Age bourbon or whiskey is really high on our agenda list. Absolutely. I want to get something out there that we can produce and start selling and got to kind of figure out the particulars of this. We need a, for anybody listening, we need somebody with a liquor license to reach out to us so we can get this going. 
<clears throat> do you? Do you even need it if you're just sending your stuff away? Uh, it depends. Don't we need it to sell it? You do need it to sell it. Yeah. Right. So that's going to be the issue, right? Yep. Can you... Or we have to sell it underneath and, somebody else's yeah. license. You Technically, and I've got a beverage lawyer for that, but uh, technically you have to have a, a certain level of license in order to even contract manufacture it and then send that out. That way you can profit from it. How much is a license? Defund like the ATF. Uh, it, it really depends. The For the state of Missouri, I think it's about $1,500. Oh, that ain't bad. Yeah. Okay, that's doable. Yeah, it's not exorbitant. See, I was getting scared when the captain was like, you know, six figures, and I was like, wait a second. He wants to have an entire facility. I mean, oh, fair. Yeah, you yeah, gotta build yeah. something, right? Yeah. Then you gotta build it. But hey, I'm saying, if it's else. under ten grand, sign me up. <laughs> like, let's do this. I'm fucking in. Like, I you know, won't even bat an eye. Let's hey. let's fucking make this happen. So I it, think it can happen. Yeah, when I win the lottery, you know, we'll go from there. I just want to be there for this maple syrup. Oh, magic. Dude. That sounds amazing. The Sugar dude. Shack is the best time that in the world. That sounds so the awesome. The amount of stories, and I can oh. do one thing and make him laugh, and he'll know exactly oh, what I'm talking God. about. And it's. So when's the Sugar Danny's Shack? Danny's going to say, Sam, why is there a tent in my front lawn? I'm going because I'm sleeping here tonight. I don't know what. Well, yeah, we'll have the whole overlanding set up yeah, no down kidding. in St. Jen. Well, a bunch of rooftop tents just all camped out in the front yard. Fuck it. Well, it's got to freeze and thaw. Yeah. So typically, uh, you're looking at the end of February, beginning of March, um, because the temperatures have to be right. So you have to get into that freeze-thaw cycle and actually almost get to the point where your your trees are growing. So if you just uh, – I know you're tapping trees. Are you just going with the stuff you're already tapping, or have you planted a new tree? Like, is it a – you're working on making it a production thing or just kind of no, for fun what's it, there? Yeah, it's just what's on the farm right now. Gotcha. Um, Mill Creek literally runs through the entire farm. And because of that, there's a great water source. And so those trees down that valley are really thriving. Now, you say farm. How many acres you got? Uh, this is my neighbor, but it's 340. 340. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, we only have five. Oh, fair. Only five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That neighbor is cool as hell, too. Yep. He's a legit, straight-up good old boy, and he will drink you under the fucking table because he starts first thing in the morning and doesn't end until he passes out. <laughs> well, where you guys live, I mean, St. Jen is some beautiful country. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's, I think, is one of the things that people that live around St. Louis don't realize. Most of Missouri is rural. And then once you get outside of St. Louis and you get down even to the St. Jim line, it's like you turn into that rural Missouri, and it gets very pretty. Well, we're in the it's no- not the same thing. We're in the northeast corner of the Ozarks right now, man. The further the further you get into it, there's a reason they've written novels about it. Well, you get out into central Missouri, and there ain't shit. Like you know, it's some of that you, stuff yeah. out there is desolate. Like that's like deliverance country. When you don't get to see a mailbox for miles. That's when you know you're in the right spot. I, I was right. in a, I used to, Facts. I had a part-time gig delivering uh, as a delivery driver many years ago, and I ended up in a town called Grubville. Have you been to Grubville? <laughs> yes, like, I have. <laughs> it's like every mailbox has got the same last name. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the craziest thing I'd ever seen. Like the entire town is related. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a little pocket of like. One family that just lives in Grubville, and I thought, "Wow, that's uh, is, that's different." Is is Grub on every mailbox? That's what's one of the same. I know. No, I don't. I mean, it was too many years ago. I don't remember the name uh, that was there. I just noticed that when you drive by the mailboxes, you know, you see a last name, mm-hmm. and then 
went by the next mailbox and the same last name. And, you know, after about four or five, you start paying attention. And you're like, because at first you think, well, it's just this road. And then every street I turned down, everywhere I went, it was all the same last names. And I was like, everybody that lives here is related. Like, this is fucking crazy. It's probably just a giant homestead and people are just... Oh, so I mean, it's a, it's such a small area. I, I mean, I there's hardly say. any fucking population at all. And it could have just been the area that I was in. I mean, I didn't go through the whole town. So, you know, somebody could fact check me and look it up and there's like 10,000 people there. I don't know. <laughs> but that section that I was in was was really desolate and, and it was not very populated. I, but I'd say I went by... 25 30 homes that all had the same last name which was i mean there's families like that in st jim you can literally see them and go that dude's a nagger or you know or yeah. he's a roth or a woke or aren't you like st jim royalty me like your family we have no ties to st genevieve import. no ties we are the import. ones only <laughs> we, are, we are an import yeah yeah i'm an import too so i can't no, say much fair. i guess my mom's side that's from st jim and that's a very common last yeah, name but I've, my dad's side i've never yeah. i've never been a been an import my whole life i'm okay with it well that's that military right you just kind of come in and come out yeah well and then like when i was a kid you know my my grandfather had been uh retired navy and other stuff and uh then we my dad his his brother's doing military shit and then just being, you know, then we moved down to Texas and back to Oregon, and then I moved around a lot. My parents moved around a lot, and now me and my folks are here just because they kind of followed me. But, yeah, it's not – we ne- no none of those legacy towns. Like, my dad's family came from Romania, you know. See, that's where I want to head. I want to be an import of the world. Like, I just want to live everywhere. Like, put a backpack on me and just go. That's one of my big goals in life is I want to move to Europe for a few years. And just live in Europe, you oh, know, wow. and just like move around and just check out different Done places. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get to do that. When I came back from Iraq, you know, I told them that I wanted to reenlist. And we had a, I got laid over in Germany in Frankfurt. And uh, I was so impressed by Frankfurt when I was there because we get to go downtown and, mm-hmm. and do a couple of things. And uh, I wanted to go back. And it just so happened to be when the Big Red One was coming back to Fort Riley. And, uh, so I told him, I said, you know, I'll reenlist right now if you just get me to Europe. Mm-hmm. Anywhere in Europe, just I want to go there. And they wouldn't do it. And so that ended up being my separation point. If they would have if they would have said yes, I would have went back just to live in Europe. That mm-hmm. was a big part of what I wanted to do. It was cool. It was definitely different. I'll, I'll tell you, when I lived in Germany, what was cool was, uh, especially around Christmas time in Bavaria, mm-hmm. they'd have the, they called them uh, Chris Kindle Marketplatz. It was kind of a very, like, old-school Christmas vibe, like Santa. But the first time I saw Krampus, oh, yeah. we're sitting there at a fest, and they, they're selling, you know, the hot, uh, like, candied nuts, like mm-hmm. almonds and shit. And then they have, like, mulled wine they're selling everywhere, which is awesome. Tastes amazing. Like, spices and shit in it, they're selling it, like, hot. And all of a sudden, I see this demon walking down the road the kids are running from. And I'm like, what? the fuck is that they go that's krampus i go what the hell is a krampus and it's like a giant like a dude on stilts in a costume and it's like they're 
you don't get switches and oatmeal. They sit Krampus on you. Yeah, and he you like know, snatches was, and eats little kids. Or it something. was crazy. I didn't know anything about that until <laughs> we, I had a Norwegian exchange student a few years ago, and um, she's the one that told me about it for the first time. But now, if you go up, have you been up to St. Charles for the Christmas celebration that yes. they have up there? Yep. Yeah, so they have all the different Santa Clauses and mm-hmm. all the different uh, mythical t- characters of the yep. world, and you go around and collect cards, and they do an entire Krampus celebration. Up there, they have a, a whatever a Crumpus Eve or whatever, and then they they get out. I haven't been up there for that yet. Yeah, I haven't either. But uh, that's really cool. So anybody in our listening audience, if you haven't done the St. Charles Christmas traditions thing, that is amazing, and you should one hundred percent go do that. The the trading cards is what always gets the kids because the mm-hmm. all of the characters that are walking around are in character the whole time. And they get, have a trading card, and they they give them out to the kids as they after they interact with them. I have to take and my daughter. They loved it. Absolutely loved. Yeah, it. Yeah, I was in Cookville, Tennessee, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I met a guy there that was coming up to St. Louis, and he was like, "What are you going to do?" You know, and, and I told him, I said, "Well, if you're coming up there, you need to go to St. Charles. Mm-hmm. Like, you need to come down downtown St. Charles and check that out. That's worth seeing, especially if you're coming up during the winter. Like, you know, they uh, they kick that off and they do it right. So yeah, there's no doubt." Huh. Yeah, I wish more towns would get involved in that. You know, I wish there was more local stuff. Union does a bunch of things. Speaking of of liquor, like they have bourbon festivals and all kinds of stuff out in Union. Have yeah. you been out there to that? Is it worth checking out? Like, I haven't been out to that. I mean, I know that uh, out in that vicinity is where Pickney Bend is. Um, but then uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I guess it was, we did the Cottleville Bourbon and Brews. Okay. Um, and that was a fantastic festival. No, Washington huh. County does one too, right? Yep, they sure do. Okay. Yeah, I haven't been up. They have that big blues festival really? and i've been wanting to mm-hmm. go up there and listen Washington, to the blues where do they do that where's that at uh i think it's right there in their like the square area huh um it's pretty neat though now you haven't been to it or you may have not been to it but if you haven't uh farmington puts on the blues brews and, bar- and barbecue yeah, yeah that's a really good event it sure is um the i've got friends of mine that uh do the actual barbecue portion of it and then when i was with crown we did a, a booth and then when we we're with charlottesville we've done booths down there yeah. uh charlottesville the uh, parent company actually owns Beijing Farms as well, so we've got the goat cheese and beer pairings, yeah. um, and so that's actually a really neat deal too. Huh. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's I cool. went down there for a few years ago when they had the first one. Yeah, and uh, I remember sitting there on that main street, kind of watching, and I thought. This is as close to a movie as I think I've ever been. Like it felt like a scene straight from a movie, and you know, the blues playing, and mm-hmm. the other bands, and then all the vendors, and the way it was set up with the old downtown. It was so yep. historic, and I was like, "This is really, really cool." And uh-huh. so I've made it a point to go back just about every year. It, it's a fun, fun festival. It is. Now St. Genevieve has got my favorite. They got the demolition derby. <laughs> yeah. We call that redneck racing. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, get, get her down there, man. Hey man. So hey, man. It, what was What's it? Call? What was it? Three or four years ago, uh, the captain invites me down. And he's like, "You got to go to the fair, right?" And I'm thinking, "Okay, you know, fair." And so we're down there, and it comes evening time, and I was like, "He's like, oh, come on, we're gonna go over here," and you know, and I had no clue what was going on. And this was my <laughs> first time seeing a demolition derby in person. Oh wow! Coolest fucking thing <laughs> ever. Redneck racing, man. I could yeah. not believe how hard everybody actually hits each other like you know I thought, oh, yeah. they're out for blood bro there's oh like a five God. or ten thousand dollar payout i don't even you know i will do a lot of things I, i'm not sure i would sign up for this <laughs> i would 100 percent. The, chi- the chiropractic work needed right. after this oh, would yeah. be fucking insane. have you ever played whirly ball no what is whirly ball 
So when I came back from Germany, uh, a buddy of mine, he was a sniper. He worked, I worked with, and he worked for me on a couple missions in Iraq. I had about a month off. I was going through divorce. I had nowhere to go before I went to school en route to my next station. So I'm in Chicago area hanging out with him and he had to go to a bachelor party. I got an invite to that in the wedding and I go to the bachelor party and they're like, we're going to a strip club later and then we're going to play whirly ball. I'm like, the fuck is whirly ball? Because I had a nice shirt and stuff. He's like, don't wear that to Whirly Ball. I'm like, what are we doing? So we go into this place. We go to an, a bar. We sit there. We drink for about 20 minutes. And there's like, it looks like a basketball court. And then we go in and we get in bumper cars. And each team's in bumper cars. And they're like, only half of you are going in. You're like A squad, B squad, right? Like offense, defense kind of. But the basketball goals had just a circle cut in them. And it was basically like we were doing, like, uh, what do you call that? Not lacrosse. Where you're scooping the shit up in a basket with a stick. That's lacrosse. Lacrosse. So it's like lacrosse and bumper cars, but you're murdering each other, slamming into each other, and you're trying to score on these basketball goals. But when you're off, you have to be at the bar drinking. So literally, you're sitting there for, like, a full basketball game time, slamming into each other in bumper cars, playing lacrosse. That's whirly ball. I'd be fucked. It because was, I have no tolerance. I'd be so fucked. No, Dude, it was insane. You're buzzed and people are slamming into you, like hitting you with the stick and all this other shit. It was a blast. Well, the best thing about St. Jim, like obviously you have the, the truck pulls, truck uh, tractor pulls, the demo derby, and then the pork burgers. That's usually oh, the, the white burgers? Pork, pork burgers. burgers. Oh, oh, oh. Tell me. Tell me more. Local pork is donated to the fair for obviously raising the money. And it's just a straight up thin patty pork burger, and thrown on the grill. It's little seasoning. It's what put St. Jen on the map. I'm oh telling my you. gosh! We really? go we go to the fair just for the pork burgers, and we'll yep. leave. Mm. That good, huh? Yeah, we that bought like good. twenty of them. Eat <laughs> <laughs> on for a week. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Damn. And if, if they still do it, uh, they're they're the church there at uh, Kaufman. They have a, a picnic and a mm. turkey shoot. And they actually have those same pork burgers. It's the last weekend in September, I believe. Um, but they have a amazing, amazing guys that are down there just cooking. And it's, it's my neighbor that owns the property, and all of those guys are down there. They're the ones doing the cooking. And they have that pork burger that is just spot on. I'm going to oh, have to go check boys. that out. Yep. Dude. Damn. All it's right. legit. So, Pork that's Burgers awesome. and St. Jen, that's our next yep. visit, right? Absolutely. And mark it on the calendar. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, sir. We had a fantastic time with you today. I, I learned a lot about alcohol there and a lot about a whole bunch of other stuff that I know nobody <laughs> was really looking forward to. Um, but, you know, it was really good. Why don't you give a last plug? How do people contact you? You bet. Uh, it's just uh, Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y, at readydrinkbeverages.com. Okay. Um, easiest way to get a hold of me, and uh, I, I can create just about anything. So. All right. So anybody out there with alcohol inspirations need to reach Challenge out to you, accepted. and you can make their <laughs> you can make their dreams come true. Hey, I can sure try. All right. Well, I'm definitely going to make sure that we put a link down there in the description so that uh, everybody can get to that. But man, we had a fantastic time. I, I did too. I appreciate it. Well, we'll have to have you back. Let us know when we do the pumpkin spice. I, I'm serious you about bet. that. I want to come down. We can video the whole thing and, and make it a make it a thing and, and do it. And then I'll bring my flannel and my fuzzy boots. <laughs> Fucking ugly. I'll bring my uggs. <laughs> It'll be good. 
It'll be fantastic. Fan so fucking tastic. I will go full pumpkin whore. There we go. Yeah. The neighbors that's... are going to love you. Oh, dude. I... Yeah, whatever. Pumpkin princess. Ask, ask me if I'll I start, care. I'll start calling him princess when he comes down there. <laughs> like, don't mind him. He's just princess. All right. Oh for, for the few listeners that are still with us. <laughs> If you haven't shut off like half an hour ago. Uh, so some updates for us. We got some things coming on the website. We got new apparel and new merchandise that we're going to be releasing. So make sure to look down in the description. If you go to www.thestonedapespodcast.com, you will see a link to not just all of our shows, but description and information. You will also see a link to our Willie's Project and our store is there now and we have more merchandise coming out so make sure you guys go have a check out of that we got some great episodes coming up too you can go down there and look at our upcoming episodes uh that'll give you an idea of what we've got coming up into the future i know that our next couple of weeks are super exciting so please 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 go check that out also if you're still listening make sure that you uh click subscribe and then hit that notification bell so that you don't miss future episodes we are going to try to drop episodes every week saturday by midnight but most of our episodes will come out fridays at 4 20 that is the goal all right gonna take a second and thank our sponsors a big thank you to malevolent art studio in barnhart missouri that is our man anthony ferguson and his artist over there they are absolutely fantastic anthony does line work and color saturation like nobody that i have ever met if you want to get a tattoo that is just flat permanent (laughs) and it will look like a sticker on your skin Go see Anthony. Uh, the work that he has done on me has been excellent. He's got a great team over there. He's got a very clean, very professional shop. And if you go in there and talk to them, uh, they'll work your design up. They'll give you something that you can look at. Uh, and they'll give it to something that you're going to be happy with before you sit down in the chair. There won't be any guesswork to it. And you will have a fantastic experience. Make sure to look in our description. There is a link there to contact his shop. If you mention the Stoned Apes podcast, you will get 20% off of any booked tattoo. So that's a pretty good deal. I also think I heard some rumors that he's going to be doing a Stoned Apes tattoo here pretty soon. So if you guys are looking at getting something like that done, make sure to reach out to him. He's got some custom art that he's been designing and it looks pretty cool. As for us... That is all that we've got, and for this episode, the Stoned Apes are out.